also remind me, um, suffering still with a little bit of jet lag, but from where are you? Because looking at you, unless you've done some dramatic renovating to your new house, I'm guessing you're in a hotel room, but I just, I can't, I can't remember where. We are renovating. We haven't quite got to this sort of finish yet. We've <laughs> taken the wallpaper off. That's about as far as we've got. Uh, I am in a hotel room. I'm in Bologna yes. for ah, yes, Davis Cup. Uh, yes. So we have Davis Cup happening, Bologna. Hamburg, Valencia and Glasgow uh, for the group stages and uh, I'm in Bologna. And uh, yeah, so we've got Italy, Croatia, uh, Sweden and Argentina. Sorry, <laughs> I haven't quite got to the, the day starting yet. It, it, Sweden and Argentina. They're the four we've got and two will go through to the finals, which will be in November in Malaga. And where are you? Yeah. Sorry, by the way. You look like you're at home. Um, I, yes, no, I'm back home. This is the traditional backdrop of me sitting on my bed in the bedroom. Um, but a little, so got home from New York on, oh now this is a test, <laughs> Tuesday morning. Yes. I believe it was Tuesday morning. Um, straight back into the school run, but slightly different because, as you know, uh, I live in Windsor. So you do. came back to your neighbours. A very, very different Windsor with Windsor getting itself ready uh, for Monday. We have the, the Queen's funeral on, on Monday and she will be laid to rest at St. George's Chapel in Windsor, which is where her husband is laid to rest. So Windsor's very different. They're expecting, we're recording this on Friday, I've been told they're expecting half a million people to come through Windsor this weekend. I've, I visited you in Windsor and I'm not sure it's that big. Half a million? Uh, they're expecting half a million people and we are, as you know where I live is is right in the centre Um they've they've from today they've closed the main roads so so as residents we can get in and out with cars until monday but they've started sort of shutting things off because there are there are a lot of people arriving i mean there have been since the news last thursday there have been people coming to pay their respects um and the twins i was in america for the tennis they went and put some flowers down but i was doing my run today you know it's the same run it's the long walk it's the same every day it was like an obstacle course there yeah. are but well, this um, is the walk that um that the queen's coffin will do right the procession will yes. go along this and you it, yeah it, I, mean, I must say it's a very beautiful place because we've done the run together but it's quite straight yes. <laughs> you just sort of run the long walk <laughs> <laughs> it's i like it straight so there is a hilly bit that is the opposite end that they will not be going near so she will turn off the main road into the walk up to the castle uh, that a lot of people will have seen on, on television. People will have seen it most recently for Harry and Meghan's wedding. And then there was the other wedding where you walk up to the castle. And it's all been, it's all being, there are commentary boxes being built. There are TV positions. There are big screens. The barriers have started to go up. There's no people waiting there yet because really Windsor comes into the spotlight on Monday. But in terms of shops have been told they can't have outdoor seating on the high street just because of the amount of people um yeah there's a there's a different feeling around windsor it's a it's as people have been talking about when we hear about people queuing to walk past the queen's coffin in london there's there's a real community feel a lot of people talking to people they've never met before you walk up to the castle and conversations break out and it's uh winter's looking winter's looking very very different and as I say my run this morning it was about eight o'clock and already there were so many people and there were stewards and there were policemen and people laying flowers and it's uh 
yeah, it's, it's it's going to be. I'm not sure how close we will get, despite living here on the Monday. I think, especially from tomorrow when it's the weekend, because it's the bank holiday weekend now. But it's uh, it, it's got different. And we have to remember, I was in America when when the news came through, and that that was a very different experience, being so far away. Yeah, and now coming back to it in in Windsor so it's, yeah. it's an extraordinary time isn't it I think to be yeah. in the UK and we saw a fabulous display at the um, Glasgow Davis Cup tie up there with all the nations out on court and of course singing our, our slightly tweaked national anthem uh, and yeah it's it, I don't know it does it feels it feels different I've had a lot of people asking me sort of how, what did it feel like I had one person say to me in Italy when they realized I was English you know why are you here your queen's just died and you know and, and of course it is um it's definitely a momentous uh, occasion it, it is a a huge thing to happen in the uk it is very sad um but you know she also was 96 it, it was you know it was not necessarily a shock um you know there's definitely been some health issues over the years and of course we lost prince philip so um yeah but it is it's an extraordinary time um i think to to be part of the country it's amazing to see everybody coming together and i think a lot of people in the western world feel the divisiveness that there is at the moment and it does remind you of quite how much power she's always had to bring so much not everyone but so much of the country together the vast majority are in favor of her or just think positively towards her and, and have done uh, throughout her reign so you know that is quite extraordinary considering the 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 situation that we're in if we look at you know just at politically like uh, that sort of stuff it's it's amazing so it is amazing to really feel that so strongly one last time um and yes i'll be back on monday so i will make it home in time um to uh, to watch the funeral which i think you know it's uh you know, I think you know, almost everybody's going to be watching that. I think I heard a stat that for 80% of the people of the UK, the Queen is the only person they've they, they've ever known in terms of within yeah. the monarchy. I mean, it, it's it's. I, I think if um, I think if I didn't live in Windsor, I wouldn't. I d- I'm not sure whether I would I'd make the journey to come to Windsor, but I really appreciate the fact that living in Windsor, I have the opportunity. And like you, I'll I will watch you. I think it's. I think. Even for the twins, it's a big moment. And because we live in Windsor, they've been talking about it with them at school because their school backs onto the long walk. So they, they've they been talking about it in class and they've been asking a lot of questions. And I think with young children, it brings up questions, you know, about mortality and they're sort of asking and they start to sort of compare it to their grandparents. And so a lot, a lot of questions have come up. <laughs> I, ha- I had one car journey and I thought, and, and I was jet lagged and they were asking some questions. I thought, Right. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a subject. Um, but at the same time, it's great they're talking about it. Um, but yeah, that, no, that was a tough car conversation. Um, very innocent, yeah. genuine questions. But when you're jet lagged, I'm thinking, right. So okay, we're, we're going to talk about this now. But I think on, I think definitely over the weekend, we. I say we're here in Windsor. We can't get out of Windsor <laughs> for the weekend. We're locked in. Um, I think we're definitely going to walk around go to the castle visit places because we're really lucky to be just a couple of minutes away and and experiences what is it it really is a coming together look there'll be people that aren't interested and that's absolutely fair enough we look we talked about this with vaccines and it's up to people it's their own choice but i think you're right there are so many people that have a lot of i think you can only have respect for her and what she did 
and they'll I don't it's gonna be I think it's it's gonna be really interesting to be here this I mean I will next week's pod I'll, I'll let you know I, I can't imagine we're gonna get anywhere near the close to the front of anything but I can just give you a feel for what it's like walking around here and hopefully the weather holds and uh, yeah my runs have definitely been more I ran past a donut stall and that's been set up and there was these traffic lights appeared so normally you have to wait sometimes ages to cross the road linking the long walk bits uh, but yeah. there's, there's now traffic lights there so I got there this morning and I was like right okay I just run across so I, I'm sadly I don't think they'll stay but they were quite useful. Yeah, today. I think it, it's it's fascinating, isn't it, to hear about you get to see all of the setup, the machine going in yeah. like, that that whirs into life for this. I mean, it's of course been so meticulously planned and prepped, and they will not be surprised by the fourteen-hour queues to pay respects to her coffin in in London at the moment in Westminster. And yeah, it's just um, it's it, it. I mean, for anyone who's not in the UK, I think yeah, you. The, the concept of just how huge this event will be. Uh, this is something we will remember, of course, for the rest of our lives. This is a, a, a huge moment. And I think you've probably got a handful of moments so far in sort of our generation of things that you're like, okay, things really changed on that day or because of this situation, of course, COVID being one of them. And, uh, you know, the Queen dying is, of course, of course, one. And... It's, I don't know, some people are saying, are you going to do the podcast? You know, do we keep talking about other things? I think we have to because things things do continue. And while not as important as to the main thing that's going on, and we did this through COVID, I think people really appreciated the fact that we kept the pod going through COVID and we kept people company, we kept chatting. One thing we know about tennis, it doesn't stop. And and tennis is, I've decided, never quiet. There's, there's always a story. Because I was thinking about this in... In the last two weeks, I don't even think it's been two weeks, Serena Williams has played what we believe to be her last match, although she kind of then, not backtracked, but kind of did the, oh, well, well, uh, maybe the door isn't completely closed. We had Carlos Alcaraz doing what Carlos Alcaraz is probably going to do many times over for the rest of his career, becoming the youngest world number one and winning the US Open. And then Roger Federer announces that he's retiring so in terms of the tennis landscape in just the last 12 days 12 13 days he has suddenly changed an awful lot there's yeah not quite sure where to start <laughs> with it all really i'm but just throwing say, that over to you but as you say tennis goes on i'm here at davis yeah. cup and even the time glasgow went ahead they just did some fabulous tributes and and there is always uh, always news and um yeah what an extraordinary way it was a very roger federer way to retire wasn't it i mean we did a little bit we because there is just so much this week we already did cover the serena so her last match and we will do a more extended look into her career at, at some point um but as we say we're waiting for a quiet week and that's just <laughs> not coming anytime soon isn't it a brand new world number one federer is retiring uh so yeah I mean, if we talk, should we talk about Federer first? Why, why not? Let's, I think, go, I, let's go big. I think we should. I think we should. It, it's, as you say, there is so much to talk about, but that is the most recent thing. And if you scroll through social media at the moment, it's what everybody is still talking about with regards to tennis. That after, what, a 24-year career, debuting at the age of 16 in 1998, the Labour Cup will be his last professional event his last ATP event it will it will and what are we going to see from the Labour Cup we were speculating yesterday I think doubles with Rafa 
I just think one doubles match with Rafa, there's no way he'll be able to come back and play singles. He hasn't played for what, a year and a half now. I don't, I just can't, I can't see it really. Um, so I think um, possibly some doubles with uh, uh, Andy, maybe with Novak. Is, is there four doubles matches, <laughs> three doubles matches available? Well, you can play with someone suggested, can't they just break the mould and have the doubles of Murray, Djokovic, Nadal and Federer. Well, it would make I know that... quite a mockery of the tournament. <laughs> no, it would. But, but this is, A, it's effectively Federer's tournament, or he's heavily invested in the tournament. B, he's retiring. Even if it was just a, a fun exhibition-y bit in, in between sessions or something, I, I don't know. Can you imagine those four on the same court playing tennis would be epic? Well, yes, but not at the Labour Cup. Like He's also tried over the past five years <laughs> to make sure that people understand that it's not an exhibition event, which is difficult. Okay, then. Okay, then. Uh, if you're saying that, the rules of the Labour Cup state, you can only play doubles if you play singles. I know. So, so what's going to happen the conversation, there? This was the conversation, <laughs> yeah. So would he go in as sort of, you know, a low-down singles? But does he want his last singles match? I mean, he could potentially get chopped up by TFO or someone I don't know like but then rules wise he can't play doubles if he doesn't play singles and it's his competition well I don't know I don't know <laughs> we'll have to see anyway he's going to be there he's going to be on the bench and uh, yeah so we'll have the big four all there will be at, in London at the O2 I hear ticket prices are extortionate I think they were pretty expensive to begin with and then since Federer's announced this it's now absolutely bonkers but the O2 is a fabulous venue so um, very much looking forward to, to watching because I will not be purchasing a ticket for a thousand pounds as much as <laughs> Federer has been a huge influence on my life I just don't have that money <laughs> so it's just not gonna happen uh, yeah so I think um yeah, it's 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 exciting. What an extraordinary career! Again, you know, it's sort of like Serena's, not unexpected. It was just a matter of when this was going to happen, and uh, yeah, I mean, people saying, "Oh, you know, they've both retired so close to each other," and you know, and how how what a shame that is. But actually, it's more uh, impressive the fact that they both made it to forty one. <laughs> really, I mean, Federer technically didn't because he hasn't played for so long. He made it to forty, <laughs> but you know, but to to make it that that far into career speaks volumes to how sort of great they are but um do you know i can't wait for at the labor cup because they do have a little bit more flexibility than other events i mean surely the tribute's going to be amazing isn't it the the acknowledgement the reflection on his career the montage we're gonna i'm sure we're gonna have all the big three speak we're gonna have it all going on can't wait it's gonna be it's it's gonna be fun i think that there's there's a part of us that believe or believed Roger Federer to be the Peter Pan of tennis. We knew it was coming, but would it ever happen? And then it has happened. You think, right, okay. But he has said he's made it very clear that he is not stepping away from tennis completely. So the exhibitions, he's going to be, it seems like he's going to be right up there on the exhibition circuit. Because Do you think? Well, so, he, so like, so like you know, he did that South America tour with Zverev. Do you think something yes. like that? Yeah, he might, might might just pop around. I, the I think he, and... he made that quite clear. He said, "I'm not stepping away from tennis." Just he just he made it very clear to say, "This a, I will not play any more Grand Slams or ATP tour matches." I think definitely. I think he will. I think he will be back. I think he'll play because he loves the sport, and it's really this latest knee injury that. He, and I think Severin Luthi's been quoted today saying he just he couldn't he couldn't heal enough. He couldn't get back yeah. to where he would have needed to be at the age of 41 to have any kind of level that he would have needed. So he is, it's been, yes, he's 41, but this decision has also been made for him by the body. 
And he said, I love tennis. I want to stay in tennis. And yeah, I, I, I can I can imagine another tour. I can imagine exhibitions. And he's got the perfect style for the exhibitions. And he's got the fun side. And people will go and see him, whether it's for charities or whatever it is. So I, whereas Serena Williams, I, I'm not sure how involved she'll stay in tennis. Maybe with the, with the academies and behind the scenes, but I don't know how front and centre we'll see her in terms of playing exhibitions. I really do believe we will see a fair amount of it from Federer. Yeah, I'm sure we will see um, some bits and pieces. I mean, we'll probably see him take over as captain for Team Europe in the Labour Cup because it would be a bit weird if he wasn't. And I know that it's not (laughs) fun to have to oust. Is it Bjorn Borg who's the captain, maybe? Can you imagine saying... Yes, John Macker and Bjorn Borg. Can you imagine saying, sorry, Bjorn, just... just (laughs) It's just over. He's just not cutting it. I'm coming in. Or maybe, maybe he won't. Maybe there'll be joint captains or maybe he'll have a different role within the Labour Cup. Yeah, no, maybe he'll just be sort of tournament director or something. You never know. Yeah. He will be there. Okay. That's what will, will be happening. He, he's not leaving tennis completely, but I, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I do, do you have, do you have a memory? Do you have a, do you have a mo? I mean, I, it wasn't even a good memory, but I was thinking 2019 when he had those two championship points to win Ooh. title number nine at, at Wimbledon. I just, I mean, it, wow, that was that was incredible that day and that match that went on. And but I don't know, going back to his first Wimbledon and what was it, 2003 when he won it, beat Mark Filipusis to uh, that Australian Open 2018 beating Marin Cilic and everything in between. I mean, there are. We and maybe we will do this at another time, but you could just spend a whole episode talking about Federer memories. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's um, just extraordinary. Sometimes I find it interesting because I talk to kids over the past sort of five years, uh, kids who love tennis, and they all love Djokovic because Djokovic is the best in the world, despite not being number one right now. He is the best in the world, <laughs> and uh, and and I've I've heard it a couple of times people like. Yeah, but was Federer that? It was he as good as Djokovic, and you're oh. sort of like, what's going oh. on here? But obviously, right. they just don't remember. I'm talking about like, you know, ten year olds, for example, yeah, and yeah. he might have won a few wow. slams in their lifetime, but really, they don't remember the Roger and Rafa years. So that's why I've always been convinced that Djokovic will get his love and adoration when that sort of generation comes through, because that he's yeah. what they've known. they've known Djokovic Nadal rivalry. They haven't known the Federer Nadal rivalry, but I mean. To be honest, I think that, uh, yes, of course, Nadal-Djokovic is the greatest rivalry of all time, numbers-wise, but uh, the most fun is Federer-Nadal, and and that's for sure, (laughs) just because they're so different in so many ways. And that was really what it what it was all about. And for me, it, it, it was just living through that every tournament, the coming into every Grand Slam, it's the Federer and Nadal rivalry. And one would be at the top, one would be at the bottom of the tournaments, almost always. And uh, you know, that was was really fun to see Nadal get the better of Federer at Wimbledon. Of course, was that 2008, possibly, that final, the one that finished in pretty much darkness. Um, <laughs> Just extraordinary. And then to see Federer finally win the French Open because he'd been shut out by Nadal for for so long. It it just, yeah, it's, um, for me, everything really is just encapsulated in that. It's why their popularity is so high because you had to pick a side. And actually when Djokovic came through, the difference is that, you know, there was sort of three or four of them on the scene. And as much as Djokovic has become dominant, you didn't, you've never had to pick 
between one or two. It was just everybody was either Team Federer or Team Nadal. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, so I just think it was, um, so, yeah, just so much fun. And he's an extraordinary character, one of the biggest athletes, superstars in the world, full stop, that there's ever been. And to come from tennis is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. It's not the biggest sport in the world, far from it. Um, but yeah, what, what a personality he is. Yeah, Djokovic is a bit like the, the gooseberry, wasn't he? He was the um, third wheel when he came in with those two. Yeah, and it all, it all plays into, it's a, it's a big part as to why his popularity obviously hasn't been as high. Um, you know, there are other factors as well, possibly the game style, possibly some of the things that he said and done. And, and you know, th- there's lots of elements, but fundamentally he was always going to be up against it because of the position that he took. You know, Murray was there. He never quite spoilt the party. He, he, yeah, he nicked some slams. He won three of them, but like, you know, he won lots of masters and he sort of took part in the rivalry that people didn't care about as much. And I know that sounds brutal to say, but he was part of the rivalry when it, as I say, when it came to winning masters events, winning those sorts of events, not necessarily when it came to slams, because for him to win slams, it was absolutely, uh, yeah, it it was, he only won three that there's no, people talk about the big four and I can understand because there was a period of time where all major tournaments were won by the big four, but Murray was very much focused more on the Masters than on, on the Slams, of course, because three and then the others are all in the 20s. It, it, it's incomparable, um, to be honest. I really enjoyed Andy Roddick's tweet saying that this is a good time for him to start practicing for Wimbledon again. <laughs> <laughs> and you just remember, like, oh, yeah, as much as everybody has so much respect for him, you know, these athletes are competitive. And yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, Roddick was stopped by him. That's that's it. If Roddick had been in a different era, maybe he would have nicked a few more slams oh, like Murray did. How many players have we said that? If they were in a different era than these guys, they would have won multiple slams. I mean, there's a number well, even of... Well, Alcaraz but... was saying that after winning the US Open, he was like, well, look, Djokovic wasn't here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's a number of... As it, there's a number of players that we say, well, if they'd been in a different era, they would have won multiple slams. They'd have done this. But these guys, we're never going to see the likes of it again, I don't believe. It, it was it was truly, I mean, look, Federer, what was 103 titles, 20 of those grand slams, over 1,500 matches. And the other thing, when it comes to Federer, you touched on style. I think you're talking about differences of style. But I was thinking last night, I was talking to a friend and colleague. We were doing a, a show on Five Live about Federer. The words when you commentate on Federer, gliding across the court the elegance the, the vocabulary you use when you commentate on Federer is like is like nothing else because of the way he played well no one plays like that because and, and this is the thing and I've had this conversation with a number of parents over the years as well when I've been coaching juniors and they would they would ask me you know you know what is it about Federer's game style and of course there's a thousand things uh, before <laughs> you even really get into it but you know one thing that he always stood out for was just how early his contact is because yes he plays far up the court particularly on a grass court but by making that contact point so early in front of him it takes even more time away because however much time you however further forward you reach you're getting double that time because the ball would travel to you and then back so it's such an advantage the earlier you can be on the ball and and then parents would say to me well 
why don't we just do that? And I'm like, well, (laughs) why doesn't anyone else on the tour do that? (laughs) Because it is so unbelievably difficult to have control. And and we see that with somebody like Grigor Dimitrov. He is a very typical, um, he is the example of somebody who has tried to play in that way. Because sure, that's what happens. You get these greats, they push the game on, everyone starts copying them. That's how it works in every sport. And he really tried, and he actually did, he was an incredible talent, or he is an incredible talent. So he was able to do it to a certain level. A lot of people were like, no, 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 I'm going to have the ball nice and close to me so I can control it. Thank you very much. Um, but he was trying to get that reach. And you can see how erratic it makes his game. It makes him go on these incredible stretches when everything's feeling good and everything's in place. And then sometimes you can't believe that he's even been a top 10 player, let alone number three in the world. Like it's extraordinary to see the rises and falls. And because that's the sort of, um, that's what it does to you because you're essentially putting your body in a, a position that is much more difficult to control the ball. And so if you're feeling good and you're very talented like a Dimitrov, you can feel the ball and it's okay. But if you're ever so slightly off, you, you really don't have anywhere to go. There's no margins at all on that contact. And that's where, to, to this day, I don't think any coaches understand how Federer managed to be so consistent with that game style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's interesting, you were talking about the young children and, and sort of 10-year-olds, maybe they're looking at Djokovic as the role model rather than uh, Roger Federer. Well, how about, how about this for a role model? The, the twins are back playing tennis again. They had a little break, now they're back and they had their first lesson of the term, really liking it and their friends are getting into it and one of their best friends loves Nadal, wants to play like Nadal, wants to... And, and one of my boys, he's, he's obviously, he hears a lot about a tennis from me and there was some, he's heard this one name and he's decided. So his friend said, Rafa Nadal, I'm going to be like him. It's Nadal, Nadal, Nadal. I'm like, great. And I said to, I said to one of the boys, so, so who do you want to be like? And I would ask you to guess, but we would be here for about maybe the next three hours. So he, (laughs) he said, he said, I want to be like Ryan Penniston. And <laughs> very good player, very good player. But I just, you know, when you yeah. kind of think, right, I, w- I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. And <clears> he went, Ryan Pedersen's a very good player. I said, no, no, he is. He's a, he is he's a very a, good he's player. He's a very good player. And I think he must have heard possibly myself or Ryan Pedersen being spoken about over the grass court season. Because he had a good right. spell on the grass at Queens, Eastbourne, Wimbledon. You know, it, it, it was a name that, it was mentioned and he has a, has a lovely game and he's a lovely guy I got to speak to him at Queen's but you know when you're sort of you're expecting Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, Sitsipas, Agras he went Ryan Pedersen I was like right oh, good yes <laughs> <laughs> so well Ryan yeah Ryan's not the obvious choice but it's one of those things <laughs> just coming back to um what I was talking about about Federer last last yeah, thing on yeah. Federer because I know we will we need to move on but it, this is what's been so fascinating to me is for him to be such a superstar when Sharapova burst onto the scene I remember being at 
Boletaris, or maybe not, yeah. And then for the next five years, everybody wanted to be like Sharapovas. Everybody's wearing the Sharapova dress, they yep. had the dangly yep. earrings, they had the hair, Lovely. everybody had the grunt, they oh, had wow. the technique, yep. they had it all. I mean, people were copying her serve technique. I was like, well, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> she's good in spite of herself technique come on um same with nadal you had all of the kids three-quarter length shorts so yeah. like down below the knee the the guns out on these little 10 year old mullets you know, right? growing some mullets. you know and every yeah exactly everybody finishing with their racket above their head and not understanding that he follows through first before it goes over his head <laughs> he doesn't just go from content you know just like no that's not what he does and they're like yeah this is what rafa does it's not what he does um you know even serena with the way that she played i think she has an element of the federer about her because it was very difficult for people to play like her and try and be like her on the court but i think you did get quite a lot of people trying i don't think i saw anybody try and be like federer i as i say apart from the, the dimitrov as i'm talking about but just in general when you go to these places and you see kids playing everywhere it's just because it is too difficult you just can't, because you probably do it for one session you go jesus okay <laughs> I can't do that. I can't get the ball in. Um, and you just don't. And I think you do see people trying to be a bit like Djokovic in the way that he plays. But you just don't with Federer. It was just out of this world in terms of what he was able to achieve. And as I say, I think some of the very best coaches in the world do not understand how he can do it. Because if they understood how he could do it, they would be able to teach somebody else how to do it. But they can't. <laughs> so it's just him. It's just him. He absolutely broke the mould. But anyway, yes, moving on to the brand new number one in Carlos Alcaraz. And many people say has influences of all big threes taking the best bits of all the big three. I think I am one of those people. And, <laughs> and, and adds in some drop shots like we've never seen before as well. So he's adding in his own element. And yeah, will he push the game on further? Who, who knows? And it's 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 obvious and understandable the comparisons to Rafa Nadal, but interestingly, Alcaraz's coach Juan Carlos Ferrero likens him more to Djokovic in terms of the aggressive style of play and then coming forward and and finishing the points off at the net. And I think what's really frightening for n- not for us as working in the media, I think it's been an absolute joy, but for the people who are going to have to come up against him, what's frightening is that Juan Carlos Rowe believes and Alcaraz agrees that he's only reached 60% of his potential. Yeah, and you can see that he's 19. I mean, it, you know, some people do peak at that sort of age, but it just doesn't seem like Carlos is going to be one of them, does no, it? No. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal really um, because it's not about having the potential to win a slam there are other players who have the potential to win a slam and who have not done it and have been very well positioned Alexander Zverev um, Stefanos Tsitsipas and they've not been able to do it Um, so at 19 years old it's one thing having the ability to do something but to be able to go out and just do it is quite phenomenal and when that draw was shaping up I think the last time that we spoke it you know, it just looked like an extraordinary opportunity for him. But I think there's a huge amount of pressure, um, you know, on him. He was essentially the best player left in the tournament, um, probably from quarterfinal stage onwards. So, uh, yeah, I mean, phenomenal. I think he's number one. Um, I assume that when the rankings go back to normal, that Djokovic will be able to uh, battle him a bit for number one. Um, and as would Nadal, but uh, it, it is how it is. And uh, it's an amazing achievement because also it, it does feel a bit weird that he's number one in the world, considering what Nadal and Djokovic have done this year. But it's it, it, it doesn't 
feel uncomfortable as in he was always going to be world number one it was a guarantee that he would be world number one at some point is it more or less weird that he's number one or if Casper Ruud had ended at number one it was much less weird because you can't guarantee that Casper Ruud's ever going to be number one in the world I, I, I think that would be an unbelievable but, but, achievement but Casper Ruud saying that Casper Ruud had already reached a Grand Slam final so maybe it would have been less weird because Ruud was closer to getting towards it in terms of where he'd reached right yeah, but I don't think he doesn't have the he doesn't have the wins that Alcaraz has. He beat Djokovic and Nadal back to back on clay, never been done before by anyone ever. It is you know the, what he's achieved is um, I think, and you can see just in the way that he plays, his ceiling is much much higher than than Rude's. Um, it's just that little bit more explosive. So I'm not trying to do Rude down. I'm a huge Casper Rude fan, and he's clearly such a nice chap. You really oh, want him to do well. Lovely young man. So lovely, isn't he? Um, you know, and, afterwards, uh, after after the final, I was in the, the tunnels, the bowels of the Arthur Ashe Stadium, waiting to see some interviews who you could speak to. And Christian Rood, Casper Rood's father, came through tunnel, so polite. He just said to someone, you know, um, is the restaurant slow? And they said, no. They said, is it any possible we could probably get some food or some drinks? They were like, yeah, yeah. And then I'd wandered up to the restaurant again, looking for people to speak to. And, and the Rude clan was sitting there just enjoying some food and just having a, a sort of celebratory drink as to what Casper has achieved. Because, I mean, it's quite remarkable from his point of view that, you know, he was, he was so close to being world number one. He's got to the rank he's got to. It's his second Grand Slam final in a year. So, so much to take from from Casper I can't I know he's not expl- as explosive as Dominic Team, but whenever I watch Rude I'm thinking Dominic Team, and I know there are differences people say well, he hasn't got a one-handed <laughs> backhand I know he hasn't got the one-handed backhand I know he's not as explosive but the positions he takes up on the court some of how he plays but yeah and he's a grinder and he will be there but but Alcaraz I mean how does he physically survive going through five sets five sets five sets finishing getting to bed at what four five in the morning and then coming into the final and being able to play as he did I mean a lot of people thought he wouldn't win that final just because there'd be nothing left in the tank yeah I mean surely there's nothing there was nothing left in the tank I don't know how he did it (laughs) running on fumes I think but for Casper it's it's interesting because again we talk about the eras and the people that could have done much better if they weren't in uh, the Fed Nadal Djokovic era because yeah. you know Djokovic and Nadal are not in the middle of their career they are very much towards the end of it um I'm not suggesting that it's imminent but you know this isn't going to go on forever and they're not at their best they're nowhere near their peaks I mean anybody who's playing against them now and thinks that's them at their best level it's not we've seen them play at a far higher level they are absolutely on a very slow decline that they are trying to slow down as much as possible and they can still win grand slams because they are that ridiculous um but for Casper, what's interesting with his game style of just being very, very safe and solid. Yes, he has a big weapon in the serve, but ultimately, as you say, he has um, that sort of methodical, disciplined. He's always going to deliver. He's never going to play badly. He could actually prosper in this period of time where we do lose those big guys. Because if it had been 10 years ago, you've got no chance getting close to a Grand Slam. Not a chance with those three, four players in in the draw, you just, you're always going to be overwhelmed by someone. You're always going to meet somebody who will overwhelm you. And he just doesn't quite have that extra pop to burst through. But, you know, we've lost one. 
Um, it's not like Andy's playing anywhere near his best. And as I say, Djokovic and Nadal are slipping all the way. So he might be able to prosper. And, you know, if it is a case of just Alcaraz and Sinner who are around, um, you know, he, he could be in the mix because he's going to be that real sort of sensible one that if they happen to have a bad week at the same time, then he's going to be there. I think Alcaraz is exactly what the men's game needs in terms of an era coming to it. We will never be able to replace the era that is coming to an end in terms of the likes of what we've seen. But in terms of personalities, I think Alcaraz is what is needed because he gets people excited. He gets people excited that don't necessarily watch a lot of tennis. He has a smile on his face and I hope that never changes. He's he's embracing the pressure, which again is incredible. And he is fun to watch they're not all fun to watch he is fun to watch and I've spoken to people who don't watch that much tennis but they know his name they are speaking about him they want to see him and I even during the final I even went out into the stands to watch him I wanted to watch him live not behind glass I wanted to actually get that feeling and there is such electricity when he's on the tennis court and I think the rivalries that he can set up with the likes of 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 Sinner and Rude and and those around him I think I think he he's exactly exactly what the men's game needed. Yeah, he is. He's fabulous, isn't he? Um, and yeah, he is absolutely phenomenal. I'm fingers crossed. Hopefully, we can get a bit of a rivalry between him and Djokovic before Djokovic is yeah. done. If Djokovic could play these tournaments, it would make it much easier. Um, but uh, yes, so hopefully. Uh, we can we can see a, a good chunk of that, particularly on the hard courts. I think that's where it's going to really thrive. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. We can we can see that sometime soon. But it's the hard court slams that have been a bit of an issue for Djokovic uh, recently, and we just don't we don't want to run out of time. We want to see that. We want to see them in a final against each other. We want to see them um, facing off and playing those epic matches. Um, that would be great. Uh, obviously, Nadal on the clay as well. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I feel like there's a load of pods that we need to be doing. So we need to do one on on Serena Williams. We need to do one on Roger Federer. Someone else I want to do one on at some point is on Jibar. Let's let's touch on just that final, Iga Shantek winning it. But at some point I do want to talk about Jibar because she is someone who's breaking down barriers. She's making history. And unfortunately for... For Anjibur in this instance, once again, she just came up a little bit short in another Grand Slam final. Yeah, two finals for her, just like Casper Ruud, putting herself uh, amongst it. And for um, for her, yeah, just phenomenal. I think with her game style and watching her play through the years, I just didn't think she was going to develop this base level. To, to this height, it's extraordinary. I mean, I cannot. That's not natural for her. Yeah, the skills, the the drop shots, the the the, the finesse. That's all natural. It's amazing. But to have developed the discipline, the physicality, to be able to do it and to cope with um, just repeating um, is something that I think is is truly impressive. Because she's had to change an awful lot to do that. So that just shows the level of hard work uh, for Ons and. Uh, she will win slams, and there'll be there'll be one there'll be one coming there'll be one coming next year. Surely <laughs> next year she'll win a slam. Um, but you remember last time we were talking about it, you got sucked into Igas Fiontek talking about how the balls were too light for her, and oh <laughs> the balls! I can't. There's no expectations, guys. And I was saying she's fine. <laughs> Turned out she's fine. 
you were absolutely right. And actually, we got a message on 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 social media on, on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter. Actually, saying that, saying we were, you were the the only ones actually talking about this, talking about how actually she's going on about the balls. But she's actually fine with the balls. I say I was sucked in. I was like, well, I'm not sure. Neither of us. She's just doing don't... a Rafa, her hero. This is what Rafa does all the time. Oh, guys, don't worry. Seriously, I can't. I can't walk. Don't. I can't walk. I can't play. I mean, a lot of pain. Don't worry. And then, oh, a whoops! I won the tournament. What it is about Shvontek again, though? It's 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 this mentality of hers when she gets into finals. It's ridiculous. She's what is it now? She's won ten of her last eleven finals. Yeah. All been in straight sets. Ruthless. And this is this is the the most games she's lost in a, in a set. The second set against Anjibur. Before that, you weren't winning more than four games in a set in a final against. I mean, to have that kind of mentality, to have that to get because we've seen players crumble when they get to those stages. They can't handle it. They don't know how to deal with it. There's so much at stake. They put too much pressure on themselves. But the way she locks in in a final is oh, it's sensational. Yeah, it's amazing to watch, isn't it? I mean, she comes across like she's so nice, but she can't be. She can't be. Look at her on the, in the finals. You just look at that. There's got to be. There's got to be something deep down. There's got to be a rage deep there down. There has to be. There has to be. A, she's a got to tap into something. Yeah, there's, there's something. I mean, obviously, she's clearly a very lovely person <laughs> the rest of the time. But something switches when she's on the court, and she's absolutely brutal. She talks about how much she loves on Shabur. Give her a few more games, then. Give her a set. Come on, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, no, she is absolutely phenomenal, and we haven't really seen. Uh, you know, somebody being able to consistently win these sorts of slams since, I mean, we had Osaka uh, and before that it was Serena. And, and Osaka's was very much specialised to the hard court. She won her four slams on the hard, but there's three now across two different surfaces. And it just feels like every slam she goes into, she's going to be the favourite now. I think her game is well suited for Wimbledon as well. I know she didn't play that well at Wimbledon, but there's no reason why she can't win that slam. Uh, for sure, you do have to watch out, as Anja Boer found, for the big hitters like R- Rubikina, who's having, you know, so, she, she was just striking the ball so well, and sometimes it's a little bit unstoppable. But yeah, no, it's um, it's good. I mean, the top of the women's game, it's so it's so nice and friendly, isn't it? I want somebody to come and shake it up a bit. <laughs> but it, <laughs> I love no, that. I I don't because it actually is. It's very nice to see. It, it, it is good. Look, it's it, it's busy times. I promise we will get those pods out. So maybe we'll do them over Christmas or something. I don't know when it because I can't imagine there being a quiet week because it, it just doesn't seem possible in the sport. But I'm going to let you get back to because Dave. The one thing about David Scott, and I'm sure maybe we'll speak about this next week. The days are long and the finishes are late. And I don't know. Maybe that's something that's got to be looked at. How can you be finishing matches at one, two in the morning and then turning around and and going again? I mean, and and that's for you guys, you guys as well working on it. I mean, they're long days, right? They are long days. But I think, look, ultimately, I'm not one of the powers that be. I'm not a decision maker in this sport. And uh, I don't really know anyone who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who is but ultimately this has happened in every davis cup tie i yeah, my, yeah. since we've had the the reform i know there's reforms every year and we're trying to get up to speed with the rules but when we were first in madrid i had a 4 24 a.m finish i'd oh, started I at 11 a.m that day you looked me- a shocker the next day you didn't was, even acknowledge me oh, you yeah. past me. <laughs> oh i was i was in a world of pain i was in a world of pain 
Um, and then when I was in Turin last year, of course we missed 2020, I was in Turin uh, last year and we had uh, 17 hours of tennis. And of course you've got to get there early and you don't leave straight away either. So it was sort of an 18 hour day. Uh, followed by a 15 hour day of <laughs> tennis it was absolutely crazy yeah it was sort of a three I think that was about a half three in the morning finish um, because if you have these matches on this you have to think that they can all be over three hours long and it happens yep. we've got a very yep. slow indoor hardcore I was saying yesterday like my gosh where it used to be the indoors were quick that's what it was Paris Bercy used to be quick now it's really yeah. slow everything's really slow I don't understand it um but anyway you have these long rallies these slow matches you've got changeovers as well which are much longer you've got anthems to do and uh it, it's just yeah it but Clearly, as I say, this has happened every single year. And actually, like a, what was it, half one finish in Glasgow the other day? That's not late in comparison to the two finishes that I've done the previous years. And they obviously don't mind. They obviously think that it's fine. Um, I don't think the players think that. I don't think the crowd think that because the crowd aren't there at four o'clock in the morning. I can tell you that from experience. Um, so yes, they clearly understand that it can happen and they, they, they're not doing anything about it. So, And it's just something that is a big theme in tennis. We've always had very late finishes. This isn't new. It's, it's, it just, it just, it's just that it keeps happening. <laughs> That's all. Well, I wish you a an earlier finish through the rest of the week. I'm not sure that will actually happen, but I, I hope the days aren't, aren't too long. I'm going to go and I'm still getting my, the jet lag's wearing off and I'm just getting my head around after school clubs and things to make sure I don't miss something because I missed the first week being in America. So I've got to work out where we have to go, if we can get anywhere and what we have to do. Um, so yes, I'm going to go and get, <laughs> I'm gonna go and get my head around that. Um, I hope the tennis is great but not epically long. And yeah, I'm not even going to promise what we're going to talk about next week because who knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's a week is a long time in yeah. tennis. But um, look, there is plenty going on and there's plenty for us to get stuck into. So enjoy Can't it. Enjoy it. I will. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, Bye. See you next week. Bye.